0: What shall we say then? Shall we go on sinning so that grace may increase? By no means. We are those who have died to sin. How can we live in it any longer? Now don't you know that all of us are baptized into Christ Jesus? Were baptized into his death. We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that, just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. If we have been united with him like this in his death, we will certainly also be united with him in his resurrection. Started working on a preaching plan for the next well, it's supposed to be two years. It's looking like it's gonna be probably more than three, four years, something like that. So, but we're working on it little by little. And we're gonna start off the new year with a series, uh, probably two, possibly three months, on the topic of the church. And this is going to be the first lesson on this topic. And so from my experience working with churches of Christ in Ontario, St. John. Uh, I found that people have expectations when it comes to which church they want to attend. They have an idea in their minds what they're looking for when they come to church. And here's just some of the things that I've heard as far as what people wanted and were looking for in a church. So when we have visitors, people coming. And, and this, these are real things that were told to me, okay? So based on what I've heard and experienced. So, so first of all, I heard that I'm looking for a church where the preacher delivers wonderful stories that make me feel close to God. So that's what one person had said. Another person said, I'm looking for a church where I feel like I belong. Well, I don't think that's unreasonable. I want to be with a church where they have uplifting and inspirational worship. I'm looking for a church that puts the community first. I want to be with a church where they know how to entertain you. Yes, somebody actually said that to me. I want to be with the church where they know how to entertain you. I love a church where the people are so friendly and make me feel welcomed. And that's exactly how we should treat people when they come here. We should make them feel welcome. And then finally, I like a church that offers daycare services so that I can get a break from my kids. I heard that. Somebody actually said that to me, yes. So, But these are just some of the things that I've heard over the years of what people have said they were looking for in a church. Now, though these people had good intentions, these things should not be the criteria that should be used in deciding which church to attend in looking for a church. There's a question that people should be asking when deciding which church to attend, and that is, where can I find the church that Jesus died for? Where can I find that church? That is the church I want to be a part of. That is the question people should ask when they're looking for a church. I want to be with the church that Jesus died for, that one. So this might stir someone to say, well, why are there so many churches that exist in the world today then? Why do we see so many churches? Last count, there was 38,000 different churches. And they're teaching different things, different doctrines, different practices. Someone once told me, well, they can't all be wrong, to which I replied, they can't all be right either. We have to remember that. They can't all be right. If they have different teachings, different doctrines, then they obviously can't all be right. The Bible gives us a blueprint of what the Lord's church should look like, and Jesus died to be able to bring his church into existence. This was God's plan. This was God's plan to bring his son to die to establish his church. And so what we're going to do is we're going to go back to the Old Testament, and we're going to see this, how God had planned ahead that he would send his son to die and the church would be established. And we're going to see it fulfilled in the New Testament. Let's start off by the first point that I want to look at, and that is God shared his plan with Abraham. Abraham knew what God was going to do. Take a look, if you will, at Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3, and you'll be able to follow along here on the screen. Genesis chapter 12, verses 1 to 3. The Lord had said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all peoples on earth will be blessed through you. So a promise is made to Abraham that all people on earth will be blessed through Abraham. Then we go to chapter 13 of Genesis, and look at verses 14 and 15. The Lord said to Abram, after Lot had parted from him, lift up your eyes from where you are, and look north and south, east and west. All the land that you see I will give to you and your offspring forever. And you might notice at the bottom, offspring, it says seed, your seed or your offspring. And then finally in chapter 17, God reaffirms this promise made to Abraham. So in chapter 17, verses 1 to 5, When Abram was 99 years old, the Lord appeared to him and said, I am God Almighty. Walk before me and be blameless. I will confirm my covenant between me and you and will greatly increase your numbers. Abram fell down and God said to him, As for me, this is my covenant with you. You will be the father of many nations." No longer will you be called Abram, your name will be Abraham, for I have made you a father of many nations. And so this is the promise to Abraham. He will become a father of many nations. Through him and his offspring, his seed, many nations will be blessed. Many people like to think that the promise made to Abraham refers only to the Israelites. That it was only applying to them in the land of Canaan, but it goes beyond that. It is also referring to us today, as we will see. This is a twofold prophecy. That promise made to Abraham was fulfilled. The multitude of nations referred to would be what we find in the church today, the many nations represented. It is through Abraham and his seed all nations on earth would be blessed. And many like to think and teach that the seed is modern day Israel that God is going to one day gather all the Israelites scattered in the world and bring them back to Jerusalem, and that the rest of the world will be blessed through them. But the seed refers to Jesus. And you might say, well, how do you know that? How do you know that Abraham's seed referred to Jesus and not the Israelites? Well, we're going to see in just a moment because Scripture tells us. God shared his plan with Abraham, not just making a promise to him, but revealed his plan about Jesus. He revealed to Abraham exactly what he was going to do. You might remember the verse in which Jesus said, Before Abraham was born, I am, in the the book of John. If you remember that verse, take a look at the verse before that. John chapter 8, verse 56. And notice what it says in that verse. John chapter 8, verse 56. Your father Abraham rejoiced at the thought of seeing my day. He saw it and was glad. Notice Jesus said that Abraham saw it and was glad. God had revealed his plan to Abraham. Abraham knew that Jesus would come at some point later on. And through him, Abraham's seed, all nations would be blessed. Now, let's take a look at Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 to 9. And we're going to see what the very thing, what we were talking about here in Galatians chapter 3, verses 6 to 9. And so in this book, Paul says, consider Abraham who believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. The scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. Notice what it says. Announced the gospel in advance to Abraham. All nations will be blessed through you. So that verse right there is the one that we quoted from, Genesis chapter 12. And we, we already read that. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. Now, watch this. Galatians chapter 3, go down to verse 16. The promises were spoken to Abraham and to his seed. The scripture does not say, and to seeds, meaning many people, but and to your seed, meaning one person who is Christ. So we're told right there that the seed is Jesus, that through Jesus all nations will be blessed. Through Abraham, because the promise was made to him, And through Jesus, all nations will be blessed. We are all sitting here. We are all blessed because of the seed, Jesus. So God shared his plan with Abraham. God also shared his plan with David. He shared his plan with David. Take a look at 2 Samuel. 2 Samuel chapter 7. And we're going to look at verse That night the word of the Lord came to Nathan, saying, so the word of the Lord came to Nathan. Nathan turns around and shares this with David. In verses 11, the second half of verse 11 to verse 13, and this is what he says. The Lord declares to you that the Lord himself will establish a house for you. When your days are over and you rest with your fathers, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body, and I will establish his kingdom. He is the one who will build a house for my name, and I will establish the throne of his kingdom forever. Then verses 16 and 17. Your house and your kingdom will endure forever before me. Your throne will be established forever. Nathan reported to David all the words of this entire revelation. So here we are. God reveals something to Nathan. Nathan shares it with David. David was not to build the house of God, but rather this task was assigned to his offspring. God said, I will raise up your offspring to succeed you who will come from your own body and I will establish his kingdom. At the end of verse 13, it says that God would establish the throne of his kingdom forever. It would be an eternal kingdom. A lot of Bible commentators have suggested that the offspring mentioned is referring to Solomon. and It's talking about Solomon building the temple. Others have suggested it is a twofold prophecy, and I would agree. This is a twofold prophecy. It's referring to both. Solomon would build the temple, but did Solomon's kingdom really last forever? It's recorded in Matthew chapter 1 that Jesus was the offspring of David. The very first verse of Matthew chapter 1 says a record of the genealogy of Jesus Christ, the son of David, the son of Abraham. Notice both. Matthew believed that Jesus was the foretold offspring of David and the seed of Abraham, which we just looked at. He wasn't the only one. Many people at that time saw Jesus as the son of David. As a matter of fact, there's 14 passages in the New Testament where it refers to Jesus as the son of David. Take a look at Luke chapter 1. Last month, we were looking at the birth account of Jesus, so we looked at it a few times. Well, we're going to look at it again here, but we're going to look at it for a different reason. In Luke chapter 1, in that birth account, we're going to see something in verses 30 to 33. Notice what it says. But the angel said to her, do not be afraid, Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and will be called the Son of God. Of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David, and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. So that's the prophecy right there, that it's going to be Jesus who will rule over the house. And then Peter preached the good news on the day of Pentecost to the Jewish men who had come to the Jew to Jerusalem for the Jewish festivals. He told them how. They, with the help of Romans of the Romans, put Jesus to death, but God raised him to life. Then he quoted a prophecy from David, and he showed how David knew God's plan. David knew exactly what God was going to do. In Acts chapter two, verses twenty-five to thirty-one, here is what we read, and this is David. Remember that—that this is David that is speaking here. David said about him, referring to Jesus, I saw the Lord always before me because he is at my right hand. I will not be shaken. Therefore, my heart is glad and my tongue rejoices. My body also will live in hope because you will not abandon me to the grave, nor will you let your Holy One see decay. You have made known to me the paths of life. You will fill me with joy in your presence. And then Peter goes on to say, Brothers, I can tell you confidently that the patriarch David died. And was buried, and his tomb is here to this day. But he was a prophet. Notice, he was a prophet, and knew that God had promised him on oath that he would place one of his descendants on his throne. Seeing what was ahead, he spoke of the resurrection of the Christ, that he was not abandoned to the grave, nor did his body see decay. God has raised this Jesus to life, and we are all witnesses of the fact Exalted at the right hand of God, he has has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see and hear. And so, he knew Jesus would come in the flesh. Born as his descendant to sit on the throne of David and to rule over God's people. David was not only a king, but he was a prophet as we read. Romans chapter 1 verses 1 to 4 tells us that the gospel was promised and revealed beforehand through God's holy prophets. David knew God's plan. David knew that Jesus was going to come and die and be resurrected. He just talked about that prophecy a moment ago. And he knew that Jesus would sit on his throne forever. And so the third point that it brings us to is Jesus also knew the plan. When Jesus came to earth, Jesus also knew the plan, and he came to die and put it into effect. So Jesus came to establish his kingdom. It would be a spiritual kingdom, not a physical one, a spiritual kingdom. And this kingdom is the church. And some people like to say that the kingdom and the church are two different things. But the kingdom and the church are one and the same. Let's not get confused. They are the same. It's not a kingdom that's going to come later on, that's going to be around for a thousand years. It's not a kingdom that is foreseen later on. It's a kingdom that is now the church, the body of Christ. Entrance into the kingdom is possible by Christ's death, burial, and resurrection. When Jesus began preaching, he made it clear that the kingdom was coming, and the kingdom was his church. Take a look at Mark chapter 1, verses 14 and 15, in Mark chapter 1, and listen to what Mark says. After John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee proclaiming the good news of God. The time has come, he said. The kingdom of God is near. Repent and believe the good news. So, after John was put in prison, the good news is preached. Some religious teachers in the world claim that Jesus was talking about the distant future. This is what we just mentioned. But no, he says that it is near. If it's near, then it doesn't mean a thousand years into the future, two thousand years into the future. It's near. It's coming right up. It's coming very soon. Mark chapter 9, verse 1 says, And he said to them, I tell you the truth, some who are standing here will not taste death before they see the kingdom of God come with power. So now he, he talks to this audience and he says, Those who are standing right here, you guys. You that I'm talking to you, some of you will see the kingdom before you die. So that tells you right there, that's not a thousand, two thousand years in the future. The kingdom would come in their time, and they would see it, and the kingdom is the church. Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 to 18. And we'll read that last verse for that last point. And notice what it says in Colossians chapter 1, verses 13 to 18. For he has rescued us, referring to God, has rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of the Son he loves, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. For by him all things were created, things in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or powers or rulers or authorities, all things were created by him and for him talking about Jesus here, they were created by Jesus and for him. He is before all things and in him all things hold together and he is the head of the body, the church. He is the beginning and the firstborn from among the dead so that in everything he might have the supremacy. The king and the church are one and the same. These two words can be used interchangeably to describe who we are and what we are a part of. We are in the kingdom. We are members of his body, the church. So what did Abraham understand when it came to the church? Did he envision more than one? Are we to believe that he saw many churches practicing different teachings and doctrines? And what about David? What did he understand? And what he saw, the vision that he had, what do you think he understood? Did he see Jesus dying for many churches? And what about Jesus, our Lord? Did he come to establish many churches or just one? Think of the people in the first century who were waiting for the Messiah, the Christ, to come and establish his kingdom, his church, the body of believers. Were they expecting more than one? And so when did Christ establish this one church? When did he come and die for this one church, his church? Which brings us to the final point. The church and kingdom began on the day of Pentecost in Jerusalem. We were in the book of Acts a moment ago. Let's go back there and take a look at verses 36 to 41. We saw this prophecy of David, and then further on, Peter is still speaking. And he says, starting at verse 36, And keep in mind, he's talking to these men, and he mentioned that they had helped to put Jesus to death. And he says, Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Christ. When the people heard this, they were cut to their heart and said to Peter and the other apostles, Brothers, what shall we do? Peter replied, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit The promise is for you and your children and for all who are far off, for all whom the Lord our God will call. With many other words he warned them and he pleaded with them, save yourselves from this corrupt generation. Those who accepted his message were baptized and about 3,000 were added to their number that day. The church and the kingdom are one and the same. When a person obeys the gospel, when a person responds to that gospel, that Good news, that message. They are added to the church and become a subject of the kingdom with Christ as the king. Have you ever thought of yourself as a subject of the kingdom? If Jesus is your king, then that's what you are. You're a subject of the kingdom. You can't join it as you see people doing in the churches of the world today. You can't fill out paperwork to become a member. How do you become a member of the church that belongs to Jesus? You have to be added to it by Jesus. It's not somebody here that adds you to that church. Jesus does that. And Jesus does that once you have responded to that good news, to that gospel. Once you have been cleansed of your sins and made new in the sight of God. That's what needs to happen for you to be added to the church that Jesus died for. Later on in that same book, that same chapter, verses 47 in verse 47 specifically, notice what it says. Praising God and enjoying the favor of all the people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who are being saved. The Lord is the one that does the adding. The Lord is the one that placed you into his body, into the church. The saved are added and found in the church. They're found in the kingdom. And this was God's wonderful plan. And he shared this with Abraham. He shared this with David. And Jesus came to die to fulfill that plan, to put it in place. And he, in turn, shared this plan with us by inspiring men through the Holy Spirit to write it down so that we could read it for ourselves and we we can know how to be saved and we can know how to find the church that Jesus died for, how to be a part of that church. God planned the church a long time ago, and it was established. All those who have obeyed the gospel are in the Lord's church. So the question remains, have you responded to that good news? Have you obeyed the gospel so that you may be added to the Lord's church. And if not, why not make that decision today? The most important decision you'll ever make in your entire life. Come forward and hear the good news and obey the gospel. Let's stand as we sing our last song.